Rebel Love Podcast, where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex, relationships, and money. Join me as together we question, explore, and strive to understand. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Love Podcast. Today we are talking polyamorous or monogamous relationships. Which relationship works best for you? So my guest today is Rebecca Benito, a nationally known workshop leader and coach. Her podcast, the Ask Me Anything Love and Sex Show on blogtalkradio.com and her weekly video program, The Rebecca Benito Show on YouTube has helped thousands of people have more gratified relationships and sex lives. And her mission in life is to transform the world by helping people allow and express their authentic sexuality. Good morning, Rebecca. How are you? Good morning, Talia. So great to see you again. Yeah. Um, actually, it's not morning for you. What time is it for you? <laughs> it, it's five o'clock in the evening. Good evening, Rebecca. Actually. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> We're doing this from across the globe. It's amazing. I'm no longer nationally known. Thanks to you, Talia. I'm internationally known. You're internationally known. That's right. Yeah. Everyone all over the world. <laughs> we don't discriminate mm-hmm. here. <laughs> exactly. So before we get started, I'd love if you could tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and how you kind of landed where you are now in life. Sure. I mean, a little bit about myself. I live in outside of Tampa, Florida in the United States. And my background, what I really wanted to do more than anything in life was write for Saturday Night Live. I was very funny. I was a good writer. And so what do you do when you want to get into television? You work for a restaurant. And in that time that I was working for a restaurant, I came into what I'm going to call my high sense perception. And I started to be able to see what was wrong with people when they were ill, sometimes before they even knew they were sick. For example, one guy, I was like, you have this like black band across your eyes. And he said, oh, that's really interesting because I have a brain tumor. Like, so I learned how to do that. And I went to a four-year school and became an energy healer. And as I was working on bodies and people's illnesses, both physical and mental, I realized that in my own life, there was an area that I was really cut off from my own body, which is my sexuality. And so I started a self-study course in expanding my own sexuality, getting in touch with my body and enjoying the pleasure of sex more for myself. And so those two things kind of merged in 2012. And what I do now is both coach and do energy work and healing work, not just limited to sexuality and relationships, although that's really my special passion. I'm one of the few people I know that does energy healing for sexual dysfunction. Wow. And as you mentioned, our topic of the day, part of being sexually self-expressed is understanding what kind of relationship you want. Mm -hmm. If you weren't told by the government and your family and your religion, how you were supposed to do it. Yes. And there are lots of ways to do it that if you're happy and satisfied, I believe that you are more powerful and make a better contribution in the world. Mm -hmm. How does it get better than that? Yeah. I love that you just said that about, it's so true, right? Like we kind of fall into this model of this relationship that we see around us. Our parents model it, perhaps society models it, society tells us we need to be in this particular type of relationship. But really that just doesn't work for everyone. It just doesn't. I know, you know, a lot of people who have alternative relationships and they're really, really happy and works very well for them. 
So let's talk a little bit about that. Like for people who don't know, what is polyamorous relationship? And then let's go into like the difference between polyamory and monogamous relationships. Okay. So actually polyamory as a phrase, what it means is many loves. And so it's one way that some people do what we also call ethical non-monogamy. Now monogamy means basically one wife, actually. Yeah, right. And But it becomes synonymous with this idea of marriage, one partner. So those are their relationship styles, but monogamy is a lot about the legality of things. If you have one wife, your property transfers to your children from that one wife. It simplified things. So polyamory may mean for some people that they're sexual with more than one person. It may mean that they just have partners that they are emotionally connected to, that they consider heart mates, but they only have sex with one or they have sex with several. We can get more into it, but there's so many ways that polyamory shows up. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that too. I know a lot of people actually who are in polyamorous relationships and yeah, there's no one way. There's no like, oh, this is what it is and this is how it fits into that box. It's like, I love that. It's kind of like, this is my relationship. I get to make the rules with my partner. So that's really exciting. So can you like maybe talk a little bit about like what kind of differences? I know you mentioned some, like you can have, maybe a lover, and then maybe someone who you're in love with, but you don't do anything sexual with. So yeah, like Mm -hmm. I know there's kind of no one size fits all, but is there like a few different kinds of polyamorous relationships you've seen? Well, I mean, I think what I'd love to start with is why not be monogamous? And first of all, there is no better way to be. It really is what are your comfort levels? What are your relationship needs? For some people being with one person for their entire life, fits great. They're very easily made jealous. They feel the most comfortable in a relationship that has very strict parameters around what you can and can't do. And unfortunately, we're looking at a world though where there are, I don't know the statistics offhand, but cheating is widespread. You know, people make these contracts in monogamy, but then they go outside of the contracts and they don't feel like they can talk about it. The beauty of polyamory and the reason to choose polyamory is if you want to expand your relationship and you want to be able to be upfront and clear about who's doing what, a bad reason to do polyamory is if your relationship is not happy. In my book, what I've seen is that when you try to introduce poly because your core relationship isn't working and you think it will fix it, it generally just highlights the problems within the couple. The ones that work the best are when a couple already has something that's strong and they realize that they can share that and open that up to other people. Mm. And that might mean that we're really good parents together. We're really good nesting partners, but I'm not that physically attracted to you anymore. So I really want to build, you're my life, my nesting partner. We're going to build our lives together and I'm going to get my sexual needs met somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that's one reason that people go into polyamory, the idea of variety. Maybe your partner hates the movies and you love going to the movies. So what's wrong with having a partner who's your movie buddy? I've seen couples where one person is interested in BDSM and kink and the other partner isn't. And so they can come to agreements about how that need gets met outside of the core relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about what's the difference between an open relationship and a polyamorous relationship. Is there much difference there? Well, an open relationship is one that is open to contact with others. And I think that they're both flavors of ethical Mm non-monogamy. 
And it's up to the couple to decide what open means. I mean, there's also a form of ethical non-monogamy that's called swinging. Mm -hmm. And this is usually when a couple just has sexual agreements and sex with other people, but one part of their agreement is that they're not actually going to get their hearts invested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So some swingers are polyamorous and some polyamory people are swingers, Mm -hmm. but they're not automatically the same. But the one thing that is core is their transparency. Yeah, it's interesting. A friend of mine, she, so she was in a swinging relationship, or she is in a swinging relationship, I guess, still. I haven't seen her for a few years now. But yes, they had a few rules in their relationship where they had different rules when they were apart because they did study apart for a few years. And then they also, when they're together, they could only have sexual encounters with each other present. And then they had to have a discussion about it. If one of them wanted to have some sort of sexual encounter with somebody else, then they'd discuss it. And then, so, like, for example, if she wanted to, if she liked a guy, she wanted to, you know, have sex with a man, a different man to discuss it with her partner. And then, yeah, he'd meet him and then she'd go and do it, but she'd do it when he, like he was in the house, like he, she wasn't allowed to do it separately. And also it was interesting when I was talking to her partner, he said, yeah, she's not allowed to go out to dinner with him or anything like that. Like it's just sex. Like I would mm-hmm. be upset if she went mm-hmm. to dinner with him or they started dating, having dates because it is just sex. I don't want them to have an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. And you know, it was interesting talking to him about it because he said, I'm a tall white guy. So he goes, I look at it as in like a buffet. Like I want her to have all the flavors. He goes, maybe she likes Asian men or African men or whatever different type of man, but I'm not that. I'm a tall white guy. This is how I am. This is how my body is. I just want her to experience whatever Mm -hmm. she wants to experience if that's what she wants. And so it was really interesting hearing his view on it mm-hmm. and also like the rules of the relationship, because I imagine that if you are in a relationship like that, like you said, the communication's got to be so open. So I imagine they'd have a lot of the same problems that regular, like, well, typical, I shouldn't say regular, typical or more popular relationships of monogamy have. So people still get jealous then, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's still things that are going to come up and yes, jealousy still comes up. Issues around communication and lack of communication come up. There are still fights about which way the toilet paper goes on the roll. It's not the cure-all for all of that. And in fact, when you have more partners, you're just multiplying how many people you have to have those kinds of conversations with. And one of the things that I think is key in polyamory, this idea that we don't own each other. And if you think about the origins of marriage, women were kind of handed off like as chattel from the father to the husband and Mm -hmm. all her worldly possessions went with her. And so there's still this sort of mindset that we're married and therefore you're not going to be X, Y, and Z. You're not going to do X, Y, and Z. And there's, there becomes, there can be a sense that you have to become somebody else in order to keep the relationship going. And when you start sacrificing parts of yourself for a relationship, you're not the person that they fell in love with anymore. So is it any wonder that the relationship either needs to learn how to change to adapt to who you are as new human beings, or it stagnates and somebody is often unhappy. Now, the advantage of polyamory is that you're in a constant state of change. You're willing to navigate that change. You're willing to have conversations about it. But there are some places where even poly relationships are hierarchical. Mm. Like I was in a relationship like that. Well, we all started on kind of an even playing ground. And then he became more connected to one of the women than, than the others and decided to marry her or hand fast with her. And once that happened, she basically got to say who he slept with and when. 
and all the other relationships were subject to her point of view, which is fine if you enjoy being in the hierarchy. It's fine if you don't mind being second or third or fourth. Mm -hmm. I didn't, rather I did mind being not first. I said I could be one among eight. I could share the top seat, but and I could be number one, but I can't be number two. I just knew that about myself. And when the relationship became hierarchical, I realized it wasn't meeting my needs anymore. Mm-hmm. So it was time to go. Yeah. So how did you deal with that emotionally? Because I feel like that would just be... I mean, obviously you knew what the kind of agreement was so that that was a possibility. But yeah, I imagine that would be really difficult. I mean, it's like any breakup, right? But it's so forward and in your face. Like it's so real and honest. There's no like hiding. There's just like you knew the whole time. So it would have been like, kind of like, you know, I mean, I'm kind of imagining a lot of people with kind of cheating, they're blindsided, but you could see the whole thing. So it was all out in the open. So you could see what was happening when it was happening. It's like watching a, you know, a crash in slow motion mm-hmm. or something. It was very, let's just say growthful. Yeah. It really brought a lot of things up into my face. And particularly, and I think that this isn't just something that happens in polyamory, but when you meet someone and you decide what role they're going to fill in your life, like you meet somebody and they're great in bed. And you really enjoy having sex with them. But then you decide, well, we have so much fun in bed. They must be marriage material. Right. But they're not married. Like when we try to put someone in a spot that they don't want or that they're not good for. And see, part of what our culture has taught us is that relationship is this escalator. You get on when you meet them. And then you go on X amount of dates. And once you've had X amount of dates, you have sex. And once you've had sex X amount of times, or you've been together six months, you get exclusive. And when you've been together a year, you start thinking about marriage and we just go. And polyamory gives us the opportunity to get off the escalator and create relationships for what they are and be with relationships for what they are. And in my circumstances, I tried to put a relationship in a different spot than it should have or could have been. And if I had been willing to have it be what it was and be and occupy that role and do other things, meet my needs elsewhere, it might have continued. The other thing, and this is just my observation, is that often poly relationships will fall apart if the women don't get along. Mm, okay, interesting. One of my earliest relationship mentors used to say that if women share a man, it's an excuse for them to flirt with each other. And that's another one of the cultural myths that women have been sold is that there's not enough men to go around. Mm -hmm. And so if you find yourself, as I did, competing with someone else in the polycule, a polycule is what you call the group of people. Okay. If you find yourself being competitive, chances are someone's going to get hurt. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And all get along. Yeah, you're talking about lots of women with one man, but did you have multiple men though? Because you're, you know, that's the thing, right? You can be with whoever you want. So I guess there's lots of, what did you call them, polycules? Polycule. It's a great question. And part of the thing is I'm picky. And I did have other partners, but nobody that was as close to my heart and in that way, nobody that was as regular as this one particular partner. I enjoyed having the freedom to be sensual Mm -hmm. with other people. I would actually say that for myself, I might be monogamish. Okay. And so what that means is that what works for me is when I'm in a closely bonded partnership with someone, and then there are other people who come and play with us. Right. Okay. uh, Or with us separately, but that at the core, at the heart of it, I'm with someone that I feel very bonded with. 
Right. Okay. Yeah, it's it's so complex, isn't it? So you wouldn't kind of go out with the aim to get emotionally involved with somebody else. You're like, this is my core person. I'm going to go out and, yeah, like you said, flirt or be sensual, but nothing kind of invested emotionally. No, not exactly. What I like to do now when I'm dating or when I meet people is I ask, is it going to be fun? Is it going to be easy? Will we both be grateful in the morning? And what can be created here? That was the question that I asked, but didn't get honest with myself around the answer in previous relationships. So now I'm much more aware this person is just going to fulfill the need for fun and games. and. I have several people that I consider life partners that I'm actually not sexual with at all, but they are the ones that are the executor on my will and the emergency contact on my doctor appointments and things like that. Like we fulfill that. They're the person I call when something's going well. Mm -hmm. So that's another possibility, you know, within polyamory, you can love just as dearly a person that you are not sexually intimate with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what would happen if we expanded what love meant to us. Mm -hmm. So when I stopped putting all my focus on pair bonding, which is a phrase for wanting to be with one person, one other person, I am not bonded at the moment, pair bonded with anybody. And I say that my primary partner is myself with guest stars. Nice. I love that. And the interesting thing is that I feel like I have much more love Mm -hmm. than when I got all focused in trying to make a significant other relationship work. Mm-hmm. So it's like a totally, I'm playing from a totally new paradigm here. Yeah. When you were telling me about the hierarchical relationship, I was like, I love the word you use. Like there's, there's a lot of opportunity for growth there. Um, I feel like there's set, like I've been in an open relationship before, but not in a polyamorous relationship. And yeah, there's certainly a lot of room for, <laughs> for growth and conversation. And that's the amazing thing that my personal experience that comes out of this is that you have conversations that you just wouldn't have otherwise. And you actually get to see deeper levels of yourself and your partner. And, you know, it's interesting because I know I hear a lot of people say, you know, wow, I could never do that. And, and I'm like, yeah, I guess it's not for everyone, you know, each to their own. But I just feel like there's so much relationship talk and yeah, discussion that just is prompted from being, it's kind of like you're more vulnerable because you're going to depth of yourself. You're having to look internally and examine everything, how you feel. Like during that time when the partner you're with, I guess, decided to get married, that would have been something that would have taken a lot of soul searching for you. Like what happened to you when you found out? Like what was your initial reaction? I mean, I can imagine what it is, but I'd love to hear what you... I was pretty devastated. I really was. Mostly because it was sort of the death of my dreams of what I thought the relationship was and what I thought the relationship would could be. And... In retrospect, it was the perfect thing to happen. And my growth beyond that has been off the chart, but it took me a bit of time and a lot of looking at myself. And I think anybody that's thinking, let's go do poly. I mean, first, I would love to give a couple of resources. Mating in Captivity is a wonderful book by Esther Perel about some of what happens when you're in long-term relationship and why monogamy often doesn't work and gets stale. And then More Than Two is kind of one of the polyamory Bibles. And they talk very honestly about what happened for them and some of the pitfalls and ways that you can avoid it. And The Ethical Slut by Dossie Easton. Also, she talks about, you know, because we have a lot of stuff running about what it means to have more than one partner. And it doesn't mean anything about you morally, that you're not a loose person 
because you want to have variety. You don't eat the same food every single day. Mm -hmm. Is it realistic to imagine that you will get into a relationship with someone and they will be your be all and end all? Mm -hmm. forever and ever, right? We change. What we want to do in bed changes, what we want to do in life. I mean, the first husband, the first man I was married to was like very straight laced. And I was coming out of this really crazy period of my life. And I wanted someone that was going to give me the white picket fence and the kids and all that. And then after a few years with him, and we had these amazing, beautiful kids, it was too confining. And I was starting to change and we weren't changing in the same direction. So we were able to transition that relationship into not very well, not very neatly, but into co-parenting. My second husband is my best friend, one of my best friends. And because we just changed so much that we realized the reason we got together was different. So I think the real beauty that's available in polyamory is to recognize what you want and who you want it from. And instead of being confined to keeping your sexual energy all for one person. Mm -hmm. What if you could just let it be present with everyone you meet and then see what the next steps might look like? What would it create? Sometimes I've met people that on paper would have been perfect for me. They were good looking. They were in a good profession. They were smart. And when I asked those questions, I was saying, will it be fun? Will it be easy? Will we both be grateful? I got to know. So I didn't go there. I didn't follow my head. Or sometimes I've lusted after somebody and then I didn't follow my crotch either. (laughs) And pretty much always I would find out information about that afterwards and realize, yeah, I dodged the bullet on that one. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Interesting. Wow. I guess that you'd have to have a lot of really hard conversations being in these types of relationships. So how do you kind of approach that? If something's coming up for you and you like you are feeling some jealousy or something's just not sitting right with you. How do you kind of approach those conversations with your partner? It's a great question. And the first thing I want to say is why does it have to be hard? Mm. Because generally the language we use about describing something is what we're going to get. So what if they're not hard conversations? What if they are amazing, in-depth, revealing, challenging? Sure. But as you said, like open and honest. Mm. And you do have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to say, this is how I'm feeling. The most successful conversations that I've seen are when you take ownership for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. When you do this, I notice I'm feeling that. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to know that's what's going on for me. And maybe we can explore that. Or you can ask for what you need, but not necessarily demand it because in polyamory, If you really don't own another person, it's not their job to make you feel secure and safe. Mm -hmm. I hate to say it because it's something within ourselves. Is it ever anyone's job though? And I'm not sure if it's ever anyone's job to make us. I mean, I think that it's interesting. Actually, I was having this kind of chat with myself yesterday. I was just kind of thinking about it. And I was like, you know, really the hallmark of any good relationship is when you feel safe and safety comes from trust. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is my opinion. And then I was kind of like, huh, I was thinking about this and I was like, yeah, so that's, you know, because I'm thinking back to relationships I've had where I would say my most successful relationship was like so strong. Our bond was so strong because I trusted him. I trusted him with everything I had. We were not in an open relationship, but I trusted him. I knew that he would honor his word and I just had no doubt in my mind. And he did. And because Mm -hmm. I felt so safe, because I trusted him so much, 
our bond was actually the strongest it's ever been. And I think that that's a really interesting kind of distinction to make with, with polyamorous relationships because being honest with someone builds that trust. So even though you're having sexual encounters with other people, you're being really honest about it. And mm-hmm. so that gives you an opportunity to go, okay, is this going to work for me? Is this going to work for me? Is this what I want? And for all the people that perhaps, yeah, they feel trapped with just one person, this might be a great fit for them. Mm-hmm. I just know that a lot of my polyamorous friends have very deep conversations that I feel like it's a conscious community. Like you say, ethical non-monogamy. I feel like the polyamorous people that I've met are conscious, very conscious people. I feel like, you know, I'm not sure that you could go into a relationship like that without really knowing yourself and what you want. Mm-hmm. So have you seen or experienced or heard about it not going the way that it kind of... <laughs> Like, you know, I mean, we, it's all well and good to say, I'm okay with this. And then like something happens like you experience where a hierarchy appears. And I guess do people just fly off the handle like anyone would when they get hurt? <laughs> I mean, I have to say that almost every polyamorous person that I've talked to has had at least one nightmare. Yeah, right. Like one relationship that really just did not go well. And I think that that's important to recognize that, that polyamory isn't the be-all, cure-all. Right. For how to do relationship. It can require a lot of honest conversations. It can require a lot of transparency. And people are as good or bad at that. But the people still lie. People right. still cheat. Poly right. people still break agreement. Mm-hmm. So trust is a really interesting thing. You know, when you, we trust in another person and that trust is one, and yet the only real person you can trust is you. In the end, no matter what happens, you'll have your own back. You will recover from whatever happened. I don't know. It's interesting that this is the topic you wanted me to talk about. And I hadn't thought that much about it because I'm kind of a poly failure personally. But what interests me about it the most is, are you willing to let go of shame around your sexuality, around your, around your choices? How can you give yourself permission And, you know, polyamory could be an experiment. I've seen couples open their relationship for a while and then realize they want to do it differently and they close it. You don't have to choose something and you're it forever. Yeah. And so how do you check in with yourself and honor who you are and what you need in partnership and what you desire in partnership? Mm -hmm. I love the idea that I can be open to sensual expression with anyone that there's a freedom in that. I don't have to turn myself down. I can walk up to someone and say, wow, you know, you're really, you're really attractive. I don't expect you to do anything about that, but I'm really enjoying the sight of you. Um, That's something that's kind of fun for me. Uh, yeah, I love that. I think that's really yeah. sweet too. Like for somebody to hear that, it's like, oh, wow, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And relationship anarchy is really becoming popular. And in relationship anarchy, there aren't any rules. There aren't any boundaries or agreements. It's sort of next level open relationship, which is you don't owe me anything. Wow. You totally do you and I will totally do me. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we're a contribution to the world. Mm -hmm. I've actually never heard that before. I feel like that would be a very intense experience. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like the mm-hmm. feeling of safety might not be too prevalent for me in that situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's really good to know that about yourself. And jealousy, the formula for jealousy for me is turn on plus exclusion. 
So if you find yourself getting jealous, it's because you feel out of the loop and you can include yourself by hearing about it, by knowing that you're the person that gave your partner permission Mm -hmm. to go off and do this other thing. So, and if jealousy comes up, you don't have to hide it. It doesn't make you a bad poly person just because you're feeling jealous. It's just noticing and knowing what can you do. I have one friend who they're in a poly relationship and he made plans to go see a new partner. And she said, okay. And she said, okay, as long as you do X, Y, and Z. And you know what happened. He went away and he didn't do X, Y, and Z. And she was tortured the whole time. Right. And my question for her is, were you really okay with him going in the first place? Or were you just trying to be a good poly person? Right. And so it's just as easy to be inauthentic to yourself in a poly relationship as in a mono relationship. Any place where you're not speaking your truth, you've given up on yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's not their job to make you okay with their choices because they're human beings and they're free will beings. Mm -hmm. So I don't even have an answer about that. (laughs) I wish I had words of wisdom, but I don't. That I think that relationships are messy. And They're not for the faint of heart. (laughs) Yeah, I love what you said before. And I'm really glad you brought that up about it's okay to want to change your mind. Because I remember when I kind of started being in an open relationship, I was like, hang on, I don't actually think I like this. This is not really for me. It's not actually at all. I thought Mm -hmm. I was going to do something, but it didn't at all. So then I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is actually not my cup of tea. Gave it a try. And, you know, and I have no judgment if that's the lifestyle that you want to live, then by all means. Yeah, for me, it just wasn't really serving me. Mm. And it was interesting. Like I had, I wouldn't have known that had I not experienced it, you know, to really mm-hmm. feel what it feels like and be like, okay, maybe. And I remember thinking as well, maybe if I was at a stage with a partner where I was very, very secure and, you know, we'd been together for a long time and I was sure, then it might be a different story. But at that particular time, it wasn't serving me at all. And I was like, okay, this is. <laughs> this is going to change. I'm yeah. deciding. But you know, so here's the question though. Like, I'm really, really sure. Can you ever be really, really sure? I have felt that before. I felt really, really sure before. That's the thing. I wouldn't have known that had I not experienced it. And honestly, I didn't think that day would ever come where I would feel really, really sure. So yeah. Mm. I mean, I'm just wondering whether all security is an illusion. And that's why people get so blindsided by cheating mm. because they think they were secure but they weren't. I think the only security we have is in our ability to pivot. It's like standing on a surfboard. You have to be willing to shift with the waves. Mm. When we start to think that my relationship is this way and it's going to stay this way forever, we are at risk of being surprised, negatively surprised. Yeah. I think saying those words forever really kind of, this might sound really morbid, but almost kind of set you up at failure. I think that you're onto something like, I would like to think that a marriage is like, okay, we're starting on this journey to grow together because things are going to (laughs) change. Things are not going to stay the same forever. They're just not. I feel like the only constant thing in life is change. The only thing that we can rely on is that. Yeah. This would be a great guest for you. I might've talked about this with you at another time, but I think she'd be a great guest. I have a friend that wrote a book called The Five-Year Marriage. And basically she and her husband get remarried every five years. Oh, I love that. So they renegotiate the terms of their relationship and they've been together 35 years. And she told me that this year was the one year that they contemplated not renewing, not re-upping. Wow. 
Wow. In olden days, before marriage, we hand fasted for a year and a day. And I do love it too, because it's this idea that our relationship is a constantly evolving thing. Mm -hmm. And if we're always looking at, this is what I want to give to you. This is what I want to get from you. This is where I see myself going. That keeps it flexible. Instead of getting petrified and frozen into any kind of relationship, the relationship being this, this, and this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. What a great concept. And also as well, like you'd be able to live, relive that joy, redo your vows, really kind of like look back on all of the things that you've achieved together and what you want to do moving forward. I think that's what an exciting idea. I just love that. Oh my gosh. I want to have five-year marriages. <laughs> yes. I've decided that's yeah. it. <laughs> All right, you're in. Uh, I'll in. send you yeah. your name. You can call her. Yes. Um, yes, this idea of what if we were creating our relationships from choice and we just choose them every day, not even every five years, but every day you get up and you choose your relationship. Mm-hmm. And it does take that. It's kind of easy to get out of relationships. What if I were going to choose this? And what would I be choosing it? Why would I be choosing it? Mm-hmm. And what's possible here? And would changing the form of this relationship serve us and the planet better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is there somebody that we want to add in? I mean, the couples, the, the families that I see that are poly that really work tend to function like a big family. That doesn't work for everyone, but the couples I've seen that have lasted the longest have generally, they're all friends. Right. They all make decisions together about how things go. And nobody has more power over anybody else and how the relationship is going to function. Flower. Yeah. Yeah. The hardest thing for me was being told when he could and couldn't have sex with me. That really, we weren't free any longer. It wasn't, a free, it wasn't, it wasn't our relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you about this. I feel like there's, you know, like you said, there's no one size fits all. It's incredibly complex. And that's what, where the beauty lies. Mm-hmm. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Oh, well, my website is pleasureevolution.com. As you mentioned, Pleasure Evolution TV is the YouTube channel. You can write to me, Rebecca, at pleasureevolution.com. And I do offer a free half hour get acquainted call to just identify what would make your life more gratifying and some of the ways that you can do that. I know it might be hard for Australia, but I run a twice a month women's coaching group at 7 p.m. Eastern U.S. time every other Thursday night. And it's a place to come and be in sisterhood. And it's a really affordable way to get me and ask your questions and get more in touch with who you are and what would steam up your life. So that's something, I don't know when this will come out, but they'll probably still be happening. So nice, yeah. I invite the late to join us. Awesome. Well, 7 p.m. Eastern is actually, I think, 10 a.m. Australian. Oh, and we're in my time zone anyway. So that's kind of perfect. So you can join if you're in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and you can find all of the links to and all of the things that we've chatted about in this episode. I'll mention them in the show notes. And they will be at rebellove.com forward slash EP10 forward slash episode 10. Thanks again, Rebecca. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks. Great to reconnect with you, Talia. Thanks for listening to the Rebel Love Podcast, the podcast about love, sex, relationships, and money. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. And find all the details of this episode and more at rebellove.com forward slash podcast.